And welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know. So you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle's revenge to fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine cri- refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her... Roman British crime series, which was written under her maiden name. All editions can be found online where all books are sold, even her agents donating her commission. Sorry, I don't have the blurb for that, but uh, that's that's what she's doing. And now, without further ado, let's get you to the guests. So I promised you one of the best in Britain. And today I am bringing you her because I've been excited. I've been looking forward to this. I probably hounded her a little bit to get her on. So <laughs> without further ado, let's bring in Alexandria Benedict. Did I get that right? It's Alexandra, but Alexandria is also fine. I really don't mind. I, I was trying to like make it posher. Like you know, that posh <laughs> kind of intro that everybody posh. loves. Like that that's me. I like totally tried to, you know. Brilliant. Because, like, my, my name never, ever gets said right when I go on American shows. Okay. I get Christella, oh. Christelle, or I get Cry. Cry? Because they shorten it. Oh, well, they shorten it. I see. And I'm like, and when I had McCarrington at the end, yeah, that just never came out right. <laughs> I, and I would practice with them before we would go on. It, it, yeah, no. I did yeah, TMZ, and I, I honestly, like, I was, like, a commentator for TMZ. Every time they had me on, they screwed it up. That's impressive, in a way. Yeah. As, as well as not great, but it is impressive. And, you know, the funny thing was, they had me on commenting for, like, Sylvia Day's films. Yeah, because yeah. I was an erotic author, and they didn't yeah. know any other erotica authors, so they just, like, hit me up. Why not? Uh, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I was like, wait, hold on a second. Did they, like, just pick my name out of, like, 
the romance kind of like group or something, you know? Or am I like the only one that's done something that they've noticed? Well, maybe they just love you, even if they can't get your name right. I stopped. I stopped commentating with them after a while because I'm like, you guys can't get my name right. What's the hell am I doing here? <laughs> um, but I also think it's because I've got like Joey Legend as my author friend and. I know I know quite a few wrestlers and I think some of them must have like been putting them up to getting me on. <laughs> well, that's very handy wrestlers to know then. Everyone should know wrestlers. Yeah. I don't oh, know. You, if you want somebody like... to like sell your stuff, like sell you as a person, get some you wrestlers. want a wrestler. Yeah, 100%. Well, I'm going to take that as good life advice. Yeah. And you can also get them to do modeling for your covers. Wow. See if you like see if you like email them and say, Hey, I really like your look. Would you model for my book? Most of them will say yeah. Like, yeah, sure. Because to them it's like they're getting free publicity. Sure. And then you're getting free publicity because they're already on your stuff. It's just, it's a you know, it's it's a win win. Because I had um I had Rhino on my book covers. Oh. And He's such a oh, he's such a teddy bear. I love him to bits, and he he'll totally kill me for saying that because his his character's supposed to be sure. this hard guy, yeah. you know. Yeah. But he's such a teddy bear to me. Um, I love him to bits, honest to God. And so yeah, he actually agreed to do all my book covers, and he's he has he's he's never charged me for it, and he's just he's just so tickled that he's on a romance book, <laughs> like you, you know, because he he doesn't look like your typical romance character no that's what's good he's like all muscle and yeah and you know like the amount of people that would stop me and go that guy's really cute like oh. just you know they would pick up the book and like, he's really cute and i'd be like yeah he is isn't he <laughs> so yeah but i do get a hard time with some wrestlers because they don't like being um being seen as sex objects well no fair enough fair but enough. if you think about it they wrestle in their underwear Right? They cover themselves cool. in baby oil. Very slippery. Which is very slippery. But, very. again, like... Very shiny. You know, if, if you're standing in a ring in front of 15,000 people in your underwear, what makes you think women aren't thinking, ooh, I wonder what he's like in the sack. Like, there's no woman that isn't that. staring at you thinking, like, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, unless they're gay. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They might be looking at somebody else and thinking that. Oh, I know, yeah. Like, I mean, the girls are the same, you know? Like, yeah. you know, it's, so to me, it's like, you can't complain about being a sex object if you're, like, going out in your underwear. Well, I don't know. Um, I think we're all allowed to wear what we want without being a sex object. Mm -hmm. um, but I understand the nuances, right, when it comes to that kind of performance. Yeah. I, I have also been the girl that gets called by a wrestler to come and pretend to be the ex-girlfriend because his one-night stand won't leave the bedroom. Uh, that's the thing? Yep. That's the thing. I, I literally, I was down there uh, looking for a job as a writer, a, a wrestling writer, because, you know, wrestling, yeah. we write stuff. Of course. And uh, I get this call. I knew he pulled the night before. <laughs> But I didn't make a big deal about it because I was like, okay, my, he's my friend. I'm like, okay. And I get this call to, to the room and he's like, 
Crystal, could you nip up and like do your ex-girlfriend routine for me? You've got a routine? Yeah, because I've done this before, right? Like my, oh, my ex dance partner slept with so many girls. It was it was ridiculous. I have seen him more naked than I've seen you know, that I should have seen, right? Yeah. So so they knew this story and he phones me and he's like, She won't leave. So I go up to his room and I knock on the door and then I open the door and I walk in and I'm like, What the fuck are you doing? Here we need to go. We've got shit to do. Like I'm totally doing the routine. And of course he kills it because he walks right into my arms and hugs me. And I'm like, shit. And the girl, she gets the hint when he like when he like walks in and hugs me. Then he take like she takes the hint, she gets dressed, she leaves. Good. You know, and then he's like he's like, Can I just like, you know, take you back to the States permanently? <laughs> and I'm like, no. And he's like, yeah, I'll marry you and chain you to the kitchen sink. It'll be fine. Yeah, that's not fine. No. I was no. like, I bolted. I like, that's the fine. <laughs> I don't run yeah. anywhere. I'm lazy, right? I ran that day. Wow. I ran, like, and it was like the same weekend. I had a, a romance fan break into my hotel room. Oh. I didn't know there was so much drama involved. In, oh, yeah. in being an erotic sports writer or any other kind of writer, to be honest. I've never heard of writers having such drama. I've, I've never gone and done a convention when something has not happened to me. Well, I'm going to the wrong convention, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. I, I have had... Um, I got the same... That same weekend, I had a... <laughs> I had a fan come up to me. She had a, a dildo, right? one of these okay. vibrator things in a big box this bright pink box okay and she asked me to sign it in the pub and i'm surrounded by wrestlers like my these people that i'm becoming friends with so did you i did yeah did you <laughs> i totally like I had that nervous you know that nervous kind of signage where you're like okay it's a fan so you got to do it yeah. So I signed it, and then I threw it to my friend across the table because he was sniggering at me, and I'm like, "You sign it." And so he did the awkward kind of signature, and then he threw it to my other friend, and this kind of went on like it was like parcel to parcel, but with a dildo. Did you take it out of the box to sign it, or were you signing the box? I just did it inside the box. I was oh like, because the, the picture on the box was this big black. You know, you wow. couldn't mistake it for anything else. No. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's going to be a good story one day. Like, and it is. Yeah. It broke the ice with all of us. It would break something else as well. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was funny because, like, she had broken my room two days before. She turned out she worked at the hotel and I didn't know. And yeah, I opened my... turning into a stalking situation. Yeah, it was. Like, two days... And I, I was like... I went into my room and I remember going downstairs and telling the boys this um, and they actually, they like completely like surrounded me after that. So like I never went alone, I never went to any of the shows alone because they were like, well, you know. But that's, that's what I love about the wrestlers is like if one of you is getting that kind of harassment, yeah, they kind of just like, you, you get sucked in, you know, it's like a fraternity. 
Um, wow. But they had a hard time, like, looking at me as a writer, because I'm a woman. Uh, and it, it's weird to them, because usually backstage it's just, like, guys who are book the matches, and guys who write, and the girls are really just there to perform, you know, like, they're wrestlers themselves, or they're coaches. Mm. They're not used to women being, like, in the writing side of things, because that's, like, you know, F a lot, like, that's in the inner circle of how the companies work. And they just, they, they just kept giving me funny looks the entire weekend, like, there's no way she's a writer. Well, I'm very glad that you are entering that elite and changing yeah. the way things are done. Well, I mean, if you look at WWE, the only writer that was female that ever worked there was the daughter of the boss. Oh, right, okay. Right. There is one female writer, but she's an ex-wrestler, and she works at TNA. Right. I, but I've been told by every company, we can't hire you because you're a woman. Oh my so goodness. So, I, I, I use, like, the podcast and the books is a great platform for me to say, well, why can't a woman write wrestling? I don't need to have stepped in the ring to have studied it, to understand it. No. You no. know, um, and I've actually had wrestlers who've been around for 40, 50 years turn to me and say, you've got a hell of a mind for characters and a hell of a mind for the business. And to me, that that means more than any job that they could give me. Because oh. at the end of the day, the old timers are the ones that have the respect because they've done it for the longest time. Like yeah. Gerald Briscoe, I mean, he said to me, I would hire you at WWE tomorrow if it was my decision. And just him saying that to me was like, it was like the proof, the only proof I needed that I, yeah. I knew what I was doing. So I stuck with writing instead. <laughs> I stuck with the books. The books hey. are less stressful. I don't have to... I miss being on the road, though, I must admit. Yeah. The pandemic, kind of. I, I don't know if you found it, but not having the interaction with the readers as much was, was hard going for me. Was it Was it the same for you? Um, I think because I don't actually go out on tour very much, I don't oh, get okay. much interaction with readers other than online. So it didn't change very much. Um, in, in the crime fiction world very few authors go on tour a few do the sort of mega hitters do yeah um but but otherwise um it's all either blog tours or just doing interviews so there's not enough meeting readers you know the people who actually read, read your, your books yeah. yeah who enjoy it there were I, I did go to some waterstones events and meet some um, and those were lovely those, those are the best. Real people, yeah. yeah. To, to me, like, that, when I say going on the road, that's what I mean, like, going to the yeah. Waterstones events. Um, I've done, like, the wrestling shows, you know, backstage and stuff like that, which really was my training to be the writer that I am. Yeah. Because, um, like, I thought, when I saw your name, I was like, oh, she'll be at Shetland Noir, like, because Shetland Noir is, like, this big yeah. writing oh, yeah, thing yeah. that's going on. Yeah. And... Bloody Scotland takes place just up the road from me. I love Starland. Bloody Scotland. I've been many times. And I, I love it. Like, yeah. And we've had quite a few crime writers on as well. And I keep getting yeah. invited to these crime yeah, yeah, conferences. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll probably go. And then there'll be like all this drama that they don't normally get because there'll be wrestling fans that'll come in and they don't know how to act as readers. And it just gets really weird. Well, I, it think, might I, be fun. I think that'd be 
be really funny, particularly at Shetland Noir because it's so small. Yeah. Um, that that would um, cause quite the uh, story. Yeah. I, I'm actually from Shetland, so. Are you? Yeah, oh. and it's crazy because I didn't know about Shetland Noir. I just had Marzi Taylor on promoting it, mm. and Marzi Taylor actually helped me become the writer I am because when I first started, I had nobody, and then Marzi was like, "No, you're really good. You're just you just need a good editor." Um, so yeah, I did that, and then I've just started. I kind of went into wrestling because it was what I knew best, but I never stopped writing other genres. And this year is going to be the debut of my first ever crime novel. Oh, congratulations! So uh, I'm I'm dipping my toe in. Yeah, I'm terrified because I've had like M.W. Craven on the show. We've had Fiona, you know, Cummings on, yeah, and, yeah. and all these yeah. sort of really big names. And I'm like. My crime isn't cozy, it's not really a thriller, it's that psychological, that's how I write, because I don't know how to write characters any other way, so yeah, I'm super nervous about it. Well, crime is a very welcoming community, and a very big, well, a very big house with many very different rooms and genres inside it, so all are welcome. Yeah, well, I, I'm hoping so, because I, what I did was I took a, an American crime, real crime, mm. as my inspiration, and I planted it in the Shetland Islands. Mm. And I'm thinking, like, it's my, it, and I've worked on it for years, but here was, like, my, my sort of coup de grace, was I got in touch with the 48 Hours, the first 48 Hours detective, yeah. Yeah. and he helped me right with the writing of it like he encouraged me he was like you can dedicate it to me that's cool and um it's ronnie leatherman actually from i think it's ohio or oklahoma i was never really sure on that one yeah. and yeah I w i'm just totally excited about doing it um and i keep saying to everyone i'm like if you want to read the first crime when i do i'm i'm happy to you know give you guys it but yeah in the back of my head i'm like terrified because it's like a totally new genre, no new world for me, and I'm going under. Um, I'm borrowing part of my husband's name <laughs> for the pen name. What are husbands for, apart from? Yeah, because it's gonna be. I on the names. It's so it's cute though, because it's it's K for me, and then it's I for him, and then it's Fleming. So it's like we're okay. we're, we're coming together to do it. You'll, you know. Um, there you go. Because his name is Ian Fleming. No. Yeah, seriously. Spelled the same brilliant. way, too. That's a great marketing tool. Yeah, and I was like, I literally said to him, I'm like, can I publish my horror book with your name? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just simple. No. <laughs> but yeah, he's great. He he drive. I can't drive at all, so he drives me everywhere. Um, and yeah, like, he, he, he doesn't go to the wrestling ones with me. Because he cannot stand wrestling. Oh. Um, but he went on my book tour. And bless him, I didn't have security at one of my signings. And this young girl, she got so emotional. She was crushing my ribs in this hug. Because she just didn't want to let go of me. Because the book had moved her so much. She got wow. back into dance because of this book and everything. And I needed him to literally pull her off me so I could breathe. And Whoa. I was so glad he was there. Because he, he literally just put his hands under her oxters and lifted her up and, move, <laughs> and moved her, you know. Like um, a piece of furniture. Yeah. But he'll, he'll say to every, he always says to everyone, he's like, I know Crystal's books better than any of her fans do. 
because I read, like, because you, you know how you have to do readings at some of the signings? And yeah. I can't do readings very well because of the dyslexia, so I have to kind of almost memorize it to do it. Yeah. So I read it in the car, so he ends up with the whole book being read to him. Wow. And <laughs> he's, like, so tired of it. Oh, he's not. He's he's not a. He's a very very good critic. I'll, I'll give him that. Like okay. he will say to me, "Why did you do that? It makes no sense." So yeah, but Gosh, I think we all we I all have people like that, that we go to for that. Yeah, you need a trusted reader or two. Yeah, I mean, my best friend used to be that, but she, mm-hmm. we hardly see each other at the moment. So, but yeah, so tell us about your book because you've got two amazing novels coming out and i'm super excited to see these and read these and review these on the show thank you thank you thank you um uh i've got the paperback of murder on the christmas express coming out in november and the hardback came out last november and sold well and was did really well so i'm excited about the paperback coming out and my new novel, The Christmas Jigsaw Murders, comes out in October. Um, and that's in hardback from Simon and Schuster. Um, so those are the ones that are going to be appearing, hopefully, in supermarkets and Waterstones and WH Smiths uh, come autumn. Um, but I'm writing under my other name at the moment, A.K. Benedict, for a high concept thriller okay. called Little Red Death. Because I have um, several hats that I write under, like you. Um, and Little Red Death will be out in 2025 and will be a lead book for Simon and & Schuster. And uh, very exciting. So I'm just, I'm spreading between lots of different things at the moment. See, see you're like me. You're very prolific. Yeah, I, I'm know. always doing something else. I'm, it's either a script or a book or a short story or yeah. I can't stop. I'm the same. Like, everyone says to me, I've been doing this since 2010, right? So that's like 13 years I've been writing. And they're like, how do you never get bored of it? And I'm like, because there's like a huge universe in my head. And if I don't let it out, I'm, I'll literally go insane. And, that's you know, crazy. like when I was telling you about my hospital stay, I literally didn't sleep for three weeks because they couldn't give me my my sleep medication. So (laughs) I wrote a hundred thousand words in three weeks because I couldn't sleep. Wow. I mean, if you're not, that's a good way to spend your time. Yeah, well, I mean, like, what what else are you going to do? Like, you you know, where, because it wasn't like I could go anywhere. I couldn't talk to anybody. Most people would binge watched. But you created. That's amazing. Yeah, so I got, and it's like, that's my first YA as well. And I'm like, sticking my toe in YA. I've had a lot of YA stories that I've wanted to do, but it's mm. like, you know, when you've been in something for so long, that idea of coming out of that genre and going into something else, there's like almost like a fear factor to that. Of course, yeah. You know? Yes. It, it, I think it's okay if you're like, stick. Because I think in romance it's great because you have the same as as crime. You've got all these different rooms you can go into. But when you step outside of that house, it's almost like you've not got that cover. And fans can, you know, when you're moving into a different genre, they can be brutal. 
yes, they expect the same thing of you sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's difficult. It's a whole new audience. It, even though I think there isn't that much difference between lots of genres, I think of it as just moving around the same furniture and yeah, putting on different cushions. It's The structure is still the same of any narrative. But uh, readers like, some readers, not all, but they, they like quite a niche area and they don't really like it if you move out of it. Exactly, and I, I always think it's hilarious because when I took myself into publishing, I thought, I, I don't want to be cookie cutter. I'm not a cookie cutter person. So when I created Marie's World, they stupidly kind of marketed it as romance. But it's not. It's contemporary literature. Blah. Contemporary literature. And mm. it's just because it's, it's not just about their romantic lives. It's about yeah. this entire world that nobody really gets to see. And they're going into yeah. that. So, that I mean, I had to kind of learn how to work within the compounds of romance when I yeah. knew my book didn't belong in romance. Yeah, and I, I I'm, I'm lucky because the publisher I'm with now, they understand that, yeah. but I'm still kind of out there without walls, really, because oh. what I'm doing hasn't been done before. Yeah. You know, and it's, there's, <laughs> I always think these, like, if somebody was to take a pot shot at me, I have nowhere to dive. I don't have trees. I don't have, <laughs> yes. you know, yeah. and wrestling fans. <coughs> are super supportive but they are also the most brutal audience you will ever ever have because well, if you screw it up they'll tell you you know oh my goodness they're great fans though <laughs> sure sure as long as they don't crack your ribs yeah yeah i could do with that i could do with keeping the ribs you know nice and safe yeah um i actually said to john like nick's book signing stuff we do you have to come because it's not fair on poor Ian to be security all the time, <laughs> you know. Um, the only problem is if Joe comes with me on tour, Ian still has to drive. <laughs> so, oh. so it's like technically it'll become like a car full of wrestlers and me, and Ian will be driving just like. Yeah, yeah I, I I could see him losing his uh, his will to live on that journey. Oh, Ian's brilliant. I don't know Ian, but he, he sounds brilliant. He is. He's super brilliant. Like he, he's this biker. We were total opposites. You know, I'm at the time he met me, I was a dancer, and he drove motorcycles. Like every weather, every day, he just loved his bike. And he came up to Shetland, and we spent seven days getting to know each other. Like we talked online for months, but we dated mm -hmm. for seven days, and I decided to move in with him. So I packed up my stuff, left my parents' house jumped on the boat and we've been together now ever since and that was like 15 Aww. years ago Aww. been married almost two amazing I've been married well not yet one I it's got nuts, married in October that's lovely yeah it's wonderful I, like everyone warned me oh if you get married it changes everything didn't change a darn thing between us not if you have a, a great relationship it, yeah. it really shouldn't it should enhance and just create even more of stability but uh, but some people it doesn't go that way I'm aware of that yeah and it's like I think it's weird because me and him we actually like to be together 24-7 like mm. it's weird we're not actually happy when we're not together 
That's not weird. And so many people go, oh my god, it's a codependency thing. And I'm like, no, we just, we get each other and it works. It just yeah. works, you know? Yeah. So, I, yeah. Isn't, isn't quite the same thing. If you really, truly become the same being, then that's different. But you two also have different lives and different aspects. Yeah, definitely, because he still yeah. goes out on the bike and, and does go. all that kind of stuff. I can't ride the bike since I broke my job, but no. um, I do like social media. He hates social media. Oh. Bless him. He hates it, but I do it all the time. Um, he's the only guy that I know that will literally let me go shopping. And come with me. Like, come with me shopping. Shoe shopping, what? of all things. Like, there's my, not many guys that guy do that. that. My husband guy loves going shopping with me. He would spend longer shopping than I, than I would. We, we, yeah. I, I take him book shopping. That's his, like, that's his most dreaded thing, is going in a store with me. Because I, I could be there 45 minutes to an hour. You know, oh, if it's a small store. Very reasonable. Um, I, I'm lucky in that guy is also a writer and a voracious reader. So oh, that's fantastic. I live in a house full of books that we both adore and uh, so we can share our writing with each other as well as we're both pro writers yeah that's cool do yeah. you have the do you have the bookshelf problem as like i do like where you're starting to run out of bookcase shelf space? i've long run out of bookshelf space um and have an entire storage facility full of our books that can't go in this house because it's too small Okay, I'm not that bad yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> like, I, I, yes. We have a we have a two bedroom flat, and if we could fit a bookcase somewhere, we've we've pretty much, mm. you know, my Chris put it like this: I don't have storage because my Christmas tree actually lives in my hall, right? So okay. I have to walk by the Christmas tree every day, and people think it's insane. Like they come in and they're like, "You've got to have more than five hundred books in your house." I do. I know I yeah. do. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. But it, I love books, and I think that's a better addiction than smoking or drinking or, you I'd know. I'd say that was a lot better addiction. Yeah. Like, yeah. to me, to me, like, my husband for my 30th bought me the entire Catherine Cookson collection in oh. hardback. That will take up a lot of room. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's just a whole bookcase dedicated to her. Um, yeah. I have not read them all yet, because some of them are really big. Like, I didn't actually really realize big. she wrote really big Proper ones. Proper sagas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I just finished that. Have you ever, have you tried the Hamilton series that she did? No. Don't think so. I've, I've Honestly, had I, I had no idea what I was getting into when I read it, but it's like, she actually takes on mental health in that okay. saga. And well not just, like, mental health, she goes into, like, um, how people with disabilities get taken advantage of. And it's like oh, this yeah. whole story is told from this one girl's perspective. But you can see the manipulation of other people around her. And yeah. you can see, like, she desperately just wants to be normal and loved. Yeah. Like, but to me, it blew my mind because here she is in, what, the early 90s? Tackling mental health and, you know, domestic abuse and... Yeah. Absolutely. disability equality and stuff like that that to me just blows my mind like yeah she's probably the reason i got into publishing amazing mm -hmm. i was reading her when i was like eight or nine 
Yeah. Which might oh, yeah. actually be why my dyslexia was so bad in those years. Because oh. she's not she's not a big fan of grammar either. So. No, it's more heart than, than yeah. pedantry, isn't it? Well, I, I think it's more she writes how she speaks. Yeah. And, and that, to me, kind of really influenced my work. I, I now took it in a kind of way with, well, if I was to tell a story, how would I physically tell it? Yeah. Rather than, you know, because I think with the writers, we get given tools and cookie cutters that we're supposed to follow. Mm. Like, don't tell, show, you know. But there's, like, a lot of times where you actually have to tell because you can't show it. it there there it are moments work. it's just simply easier and better to tell in one line rather yeah. than show and while I'm a big advocate of showing in lots of different ways sometimes you can't beat the one liner no you can't I, I, get, I get pulled up for this all the time because if you're doing a scene where you've got a dancer and she's not thinking what she's doing but she's thinking about her past you can't yeah. show that yeah. because otherwise you end up with lots of these kind of asterisk scenes so for me, sometimes I have to do it in a kind of tell way where, you know, you're in her head and she's telling you what her past was in order to kind of do it. Otherwise, I just end up with lots of flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's difficult to negotiate that without sometimes a character speaking to a reader effectively. Yeah. I, I, I figured out a cool way to get around that. I do diary entries. That will work too. Or yeah. letters. Like diary entries and texts and, you know, Email, yeah. that kind of thing. Like Newspaper, articles. Yeah, like these, these things are tools that I would never consider putting into my books. But I figured like the diary entries kind of tied in with what she had done. Mm. And it allowed the kind of, and that's what a lot of readers said, it was really good to be actually just in Marie's head for a page or a couple pages and you have that kind of joint experience. So when you do your background of your characters, yeah, and you're kind of filling in their history, what's the best tip that you've got for new writers out there to show the history, or do you prefer maybe telling the history rather than trying to show it all? I think drip-feeding history yeah, all the way through a book um, at pertinent moments is the best way to do it for me anyway and for the reader to get an impression early on of who that person is and what we should be curious about at least to find out more about what's what's a hook into her his or her past or their past mm -hmm. and I don't ever like a big exposition info dump because I just lose it I've got ADHD and autism and if someone just launches a load of information at me I will switch off yep. so if that just comes through in the way that someone talks about something else then I, I'm i happy with that just consistently though just yeah, keep I, I adding that. to that pile because I found it when I was doing ours there's so much background to all the characters that we have and Marie's world because it's a wrestling world there's a lot of wrestlers obviously so I had to kind of figure out well you know how do you drip in the, the, the connections between these people because you can't have just two people suddenly hate each other you've got to actually yeah. have a reason for it 
Um, yeah. And that was one of my biggest challenges when I started out, was to try and figure out how to do that in an effective way. Um, however, I didn't realise how much harder it was going to be when I came to do crime. <laughs> I, had, I had a big awakening, I'm like, oh, I can't just like do a lot of what I did in my wrestling books, I need to figure out smarter ways of doing this. Um, and, you know, I lived and learned. I'm still learning. You know, it's, we're all learning every time, yeah. every book, every, every genre, everything. Um, I keep, yeah, quite, I keep saying that to everyone. To know quite a lot um, of what's going to happen, how it happens, how it all fits together. Um, it can be annoyingly complicated. Yeah. I, I sit with a notebook and I plot everything out. Yeah. Because it's the only way that I can remember what, what on earth I'm doing. Yeah. Like I was telling you before this started, for instance, my Marie's World series is 32 books long. Because, Absolutely. you know, you're going into Marie's and then you get Layla's and then, you, you know, all the characters have their own say throughout the series so that you get the big picture. And we couldn't do the big picture with just one character. Yeah. And... I, I don't know how many times I will just panic and have to check my notes. Do you get that kind of moment where you're like, I know where I want the story to go, but is it where, is it in the right direction of what yeah. I've pre-planned, pre-proposed? Yeah. You know, is it going to affect everything else I've just written? Do you get those moments? Absolutely. And because I like to plan out quite coherently and, and thoroughly, but then I also like to give my instinct a fair run at it to keep my interest. Sometimes, I, even though I've plotted within an inch, I still go off by a metre. So I, um, too, yeah. I then have to, in a next draft, uh, either sort that out or go in the direction I've gone by instinct or somehow shift it back to what it was originally. And yeah. both of those things have happened. And both are annoying. Um, it is annoying. Like, <laughs> like people just think you we write the first draft and that's it. it oh, I wish. Really, it was... honest to God, it's not. I mean, yeah. I don't know how many times I've rewritten some of my stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I, I wish it could just come out perfectly, and yeah. then and then we could just move on. Yeah. But but no. Um... I was I was saying this in another show. I was like, I like just writing. Mm. I would just be happy to write something, hand it in, done, move on. Yeah. But it just, there's a, there's a craft to it, and there's like a dedication and discipline and stuff that we Absolutely. have. Yeah. I would never be, like, because I'm a bit like you, I have problems keeping my attention on one thing at a time. So with dancing, it gave me discipline. It made me go, okay, no, this is what we're doing right now. We've got to do it this way and move on. And then when I went into wrestling, of course, that was like a whole other world because you're not just writing for your slot. You've got to take into account the entire show. Yeah. And you're not writing the entire show. You're one writer in a group. Right. You know? And luckily when I, I went and I learned under Vince Russo, I learned that really quickly. So I would like see the entire picture that he would talk about. And then I would try and put my bricks in to make it work. 
Lovely. But I'll tell you something, there's nothing more intimidating than walking up to somebody that's like 300 pounds <laughs> and is 6 foot 2 and you know he's going to argue with you because, I'm sorry, I've not met a wrestler who does not argue with you, right? Oh. And you've got to convince them to do your story exactly the way it needs to go in order for the show to work. And they wow. always, always have notes. Yeah, my editor is not like that. No. <laughs> I, I've not met an editor who scares me to the point where I have to be—I have to think of myself as seven foot tall, six hundred pounds to do something. Right. You know, yeah. And I am—I'm five foot two, just. I weigh less than ninety. So I'm like railroad thin, and there's been there's been times where I've had to make big guys burst into tears. Because you got to wear them down to get them to do what you need to do. Oh my goodness. So actually, they should be scared of you. Yeah. Oh no, they You're are the now. Answer. Yeah, they are, they are now. Oh, good. Like, I got nicknamed the Spitfire behind my back, and they don't think... I, they didn't have... They, they were not good at covering it up, put it that way. Well, that's probably the biggest compliment mm -hmm. from them. Yeah. Because I, I learned really early on that if you want somebody to do a promo, you can, you've got to be able to cut a better one than that. Right. And as writers, everyone just expects you to be able to produce something on the spot. Yeah, yeah. So, a lot of the time if I'm going to go do something, I have maybe like four or five different things in my head that I can tap into if I need to do it. Okay, um, so you've got yeah things you can substitute and Yeah, street draw. dancing and, and, and I would say wrestling has trained me well for the publishing industry. Because wow. like that's the thing. Like that's the other thing I was talking about the other day was people don't realize there's politics in publishing. There's politics everywhere, yeah. but um, on the surface, publishing is full of just really lovely people. Yep, it is who seem to be full of enthusiasm and positivity, and think everything will go okay. Mm -hmm. But but actually, it's not realistic, and people don't always tell you the truth. No, just like in politics. Yeah, like, that's what I was saying to, you know, a wrestler the other day. I'm like, you have to politic in publishing because, yeah, they're really positive people, but they're not going to tell you your stuff sucks because they're no. scared at a later date if your career really takes off and they've got to come back to you to pick you up that you are going to turn around and say, oh, well, you know, you said my stuff was crap, so I'm not going to work with you. But at the same time, there's a lot of them that won't take that risk on you if it's something they don't yeah. know about because oh, very much. It, yeah. it is a business so you have to yeah. be able to pitch you have to be able to politic yeah. and prove that you're you're worth investing in. yeah and that's it is a business and whatever even though it's dealing with art and craft it, it is money and they want to make more than they've spent Exactly. And they have to balance that over however many hundred thousands, however many books that they publish that year. Yeah. So some people are going to come off well from that and some people really not. Um, so, so yeah, see, it, it takes kind of knowing the language yeah. and how things work. And when people are new to publishing, um, it's difficult to know what to expect and what good sales are and what bad sales are and that changes all the time exactly and I think for me like in the world that like I'm in when I first started off 
wrestling was always seen as a TV thing. It wasn't seen as something that you can sell. Like, you can sell autobiographies, yeah, fair enough. But I'm almost having to prove them wrong in keeping it going and being like, well, you said no to this, but we are still doing it. And now we're, yeah. we're on a national level with our, our books in every store. Would I love to have been picked up by Simon Schuster, Pam McMillan, or Harper Collins? Yeah, of course I would, because then I wouldn't have the pressure on me, yeah. Yeah. you know, making the calls to the stores, booking book signings, trying to get Joe yeah. across for doing heel wrestle shows, and then we have to meet up, you know? Like, there would be some of that pressure taken off my shoulders, and it would allow yeah. me to do what I need to do. Yeah. But I don't have that, so the indies have taught me how to hustle a little bit and i think that's really yeah. important even if you're in that mainstream publishing line you still need to know how to hustle absolutely and, and the indies can respond more quickly to how a market changes how people receive things how to sell on new platforms whereas the older publishers turning that kind of mechanism these huge institutions to react quickly to social media marketing and the way things sell um lots of indies have the edge there yeah we do yeah i mean i'm i'm very kind of proud of that because i've learned the hustle i've learned how to do all this in a short space of yeah. time and to mm. me that's pretty incredible but i also understand like i'll never drop that i'm going to keep that yeah. going and i'm going to keep fighting and to make sure that that kind of comes out so if in closing, because, you know, we're on a bit of a tight growth today, but in closing, <laughs> what would be your three recommendations of books that stuck with you this this past year? Um, I'm going to start with, um, it's called Skint Estate, okay. which uh, by Cash Carraway, and it's a, it's a memoir of the life of uh, an abused single mum going through going to refuges, being kicked out of housing, being in a gig economy as a stripper and a writer and going to food banks. And this is in the in the last 15 years or so and came out a couple of years ago. And she also wrote um, Rain Dogs, a TV series that came out in the UK earlier this year. And it is so funny and so brilliant. That it made me want to read her memoir yeah and i completely recommend it because it's it just turned just sticks that that's the big thing is that i her life has now stuck with me and i feel i know her so well and it makes me angry at what she's had to go through and so it's an extremely effective memoir about tory britain yeah that's incredible yeah, and really well written as well very funny very dark um and yeah i like that i mean if you can get a book that's really detailed it's really good it's really hard hitting that's important as far as i'm concerned um yeah. and it changes everything i think for everybody as well um yeah. so yeah i, I think that's incredible so that is the end of our show, folks, but we are going to have Alexandria back again. Oh, thank because you. Because she's incredible. Also, I can't wait to 
next sort of keep e we're gonna keep emailing each other and then when when my crime comes out i'll uh i'll be asking her for her opinion oh, i'll be yeah. chewing my nails down to my fingers i'll be terrified <laughs> but guys stick around we've got an amazing bestseller next week it seems like all bestsellers come on now which is <laughs> it's incredible because i'm not well, one there you go. but uh yeah so what? stick around guys and i'll speak to you again next week thank you very much